contracts, salary caps. Why do our favorite teams make some of the moves they do? It's usually the money. It's time for the business of sports with Andrew Brandt. Welcome back to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brand. I was really intrigued after the Super Bowl where we found out two exclusions from the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Former Commissioner Paul Tagliabue, who I served under largely my time in the NFL, and receiver Terrell Owens. Of course, reasons given his team disruption, his diva-like presence, I think that takes us down a really slippery slope. I decided to find someone who was in the room and found Paul Domowicz, reporter for the Philadelphia Daily News, the Philadelphia representative in the room. Here I am sitting down with him in front of students at Villanova, talking about it and really taking us behind the curtain on selections into the Hall of Fame. And my first question, Paul, is how is it even structured as to who is in this room picking who goes into the Hall of Fame? Well, there are 48 uh, selectors uh, now. Each city in the NFL is represented by someone from that city, a writer, a broadcaster. There are, then there are 16 at-large uh, voters, which includes two uh, former players, two Hall of Fame players, Dan Fouts, who played for San Diego Chargers, and James Lofton, who played for uh, a number of teams, including your former team, Green Bay. Um, so there's 48 of us. Uh, the meeting this year lasted nine hours, Saturday before the Super Bowl. Um, basically what we do is there, there are 15 modern era finalists. There, this year there were two contributor uh, nominees and one senior nomin- uh, finalist. So we basically spent nine, uh, the better part of those nine hours discussing all of the uh, 18 candidates um, and then we had, on, on the contributors and the senior candidate, you just have an up or down vote. They have to get 80% of the, uh, of the votes or they don't go in. On the 15 modern era finalists, which included T.O. and Brian Dawkins and, and the others, uh, we had reduction votes from 15 to 10. Uh, then we have some more discussion and we, reduce, we have another secret vote from uh, that reduces the number from ten, uh, 10 to 5. Generally, the final five are almost without, I can't think of an exception lately where the, the final five did not all get sufficient votes to make the Hall of Fame because generally the thinking in the room is that there are at least probably eight or nine of those 15 finalists that are deserving of making the Hall of Fame. So there are very few no votes once they get that we would look down to five. So let me ask you this: Is the how did you become a Hall of Fame voter? How does one become that? Uh, Ray Dittinger did it for a long time. Uh, used to work at my newspaper, uh, Daily News. Then there was a couple of years where some uh, Mike Rathen, who used to be my uh, used to be a sports editor at the Daily News, did it. And then I took over for him after he retired, which I believe was, uh, I've been doing it for about 16, 17 years now. So uh, generally they, you know, they replace somebody if he retires, dies, moves, uh, gets out of the business uh, these days and he gets laid off. Um, You know, they've added numbers, uh, they've added more at-large people, used to be a much smaller number of voters. I'm going to assume that as, as we go along, 
the number is probably going to increase. I think they'll probably move, add a few more players. Um, you know, Fouts, it was good to have Fouts and Lofton in the room this year. Last year, they just monitored the vote. They sat there but did not say anything, did not give us any input this year. They had a vote and also uh, were part of the discussion. Uh, you know, I'd like to see them add personnel people, uh, former personnel people, uh, NX players that can add something to it. That, you know, guys that have played with them, uh, you know, that, that, that play, coached against them, those kind of people. The kind of people that we generally contact when we're trying to make, you know, before we get into the room uh, to get some information on these guys and get a feel for whether other people feel they're Hall of Famers or not. Before we get to the uh, vote about Terrell Owens and to some extent Brian Dawkins too for our Philadelphia-based audience, what about former Commissioner Paul Tagliabue? He was denied entry. He did not reach the required vote. Um, you and I talked before about being adamant against him because he has this label of the concussion issue being tied to him and the future brain trauma issues that we now have. Is that a fair assessment? Talk about your feelings about Paul Tagliabue and ultimately why he was not inducted. Well, it was the longest discussion we had. Uh, we, we, we spent more than an hour uh, debating Paul Tagliabue. I was pretty vocal in my feeling that Paul, um, I mean, he was, it was on his watch that the concussion crisis kind of uh, came to light. Uh, they, the league, for a number of years, denied the connection between concussion, repeated concussions and, and trauma. Uh, they looked the other way. I mean, it was... Concussions were bad for are, were and are bad for business in the in the NFL, uh, and they, in my feeling, uh, looked the other way far too long until they had no choice but to address it. Uh, they put together a, a brain trauma committee in the mid '90s under Paul's watch that I felt was not. I mean, they had a rheumatologist that headed it. Uh, a few guys with PhDs who weren't, weren't even phys, uh, physicians that were on this committee. I just felt they didn't earnestly try to address the problem. And I, I couldn't in good conscience look at people like Brian Westbrook and tell him I voted for Paul Tagliabue. I don't know what, I didn't ask Brian what his opinion was of, of Paul getting into the Hall of Fame, but I mean, I just felt that this was such a major issue for this league. I mean, probably the biggest scandal it's, it's, it's ever had. And it was on Paul Tagliabue's watch. So, uh, you know, I know there were people in the room that felt differently. I mean, we, that's why we debated for more than an hour. Uh, I don't know what the vote is, Andrew. Uh, they, they, they don't, he had to get 80%. There was a report that he missed by one. Uh, I question that because the only people that were supposed to know the actual count was the accounting firm that, that does the tallying. So either, either, <laughs> either uh, CBS Sports had a, uh, you know, has an inside source in, in uh, Deloitte and Tooch or, uh, you know, they made up the number. But either way, he did not make it. Yeah, and, and with Tagliabue, maybe I'm biased sitting here in a law school, he was obviously a, a well-thought-of lawyer, a lawyer for so many years before he was with the NFL, Covington and Burling, president of Georgetown's uh, Alumni Society. 
this is someone that has a lot of gravitas. And when I saw him denied, I'm like, is he unfairly taking that burden of what happened if you saw the movie, concussion, all of that kind of thing, League of Denial. Uh, but I think your feeling is, and if it's fair to say, it's just because it was under his watch as commissioner? No, I mean, I, I just felt that he didn't do enough to steer. I mean, he's a commissioner. I mean, he's, he reports to the owners. I, I agree with that. Uh, but there were things that he could have done. He could, he could have put together uh, a more effective committee. He, could, he, he allowed this com- uh, members of the committee to destroy reputations of people, uh, that, including, if anybody saw the movie Concussion, uh, Bennett Amalu, who uh, basically brought CTE uh, to the forefront, uh, you know, did the... Uh, autopsies on the brains of many of these players after they died, and then found out that the you know the damage that had been done from uh, from playing football and concussions. And I just you know I mean it wasn't the only thing with with Paul. Uh, I just didn't see enough Hall of Fame uh, issues and things that he had done otherwise. But the concussion issue overrode everything. I just felt that not just that it, because it was on his watch, but I I just felt that when when it's on your watch. If you truly believe this is a, a serious issue, uh, much more could have been done. Will he come up again? He could. Uh, that's going to be the nominating. There's a separate nominating committee for uh, both the senior uh, finalists and the contributors. Now it's, it's members of the uh, main body, but they, they could they could bring him up again. I, I doubt it would be next year. Uh, it could be down the road, or it could, you know, there, my problem with that is there's a lot of, you know, they, they, they created the contributor c- right. uh, category to, uh, because there were so many people that, that haven't been able to get in because they've had to compete against players, uh, general managers, uh, people like that, uh, scouts, personnel people. So to bring him up quickly, I think, would, would be, there'd be a lot of, uh, pushback for that, but I mean, at some point down the road, I would, I would expect that the league will try to influence the committee to uh, bring up his name again. Let's move to players. Um, did you present Terrell Owens? No. Uh, a gentleman from San Francisco, from the uh, CS Comcast Bay Area in uh, the San Francisco area was the main guy. Uh, the way this works with each of the Finalists is there's a there's there's one person that will present the player, which essentially usually is is the writer or the broadcaster from the city where the guy played most of his career, which in Tio's case was San Francisco. Eight of his 15 seasons were there, so he spent about five to ten minutes putting out a case for Tio, and then we went to the discussion and uh, both positive and negative. As I wrote last week, you know, I mean, I felt T.O. belongs in the Hall of Fame. Uh, it was, you know, that that discussion was as uh, heated is not the word, but it was as, it was as emotional as the Tagliabue uh, discussion. And there were a lot of people with with T.O. As you know, the discussion and the, the reason he did not get in has doesn't seem to have anything to do with his performance on the field. It has to do with the fact that uh, 
he was a disruptive player to a certain degree. Uh, even I agree with that. And anybody that remembers the 2005 season after the Eagles went to the Super Bowl knows that T.O. can be disruptive. My point was that he was such an overwhelmingly superb player, put up such impressive numbers during his career that it basically trumped everything else. It's a tough word to use these days, trumped. <laughs> um, yeah, and my problem with the T.O. is that you really seem to have started a really slippery slope here. Because how do you value production versus disruption? How does that weigh in the future? You're going to have Randy Moss come up. You're going to have pick, you know, Odell Beckham in 20 years. Whatever it is. Someone who's diva-like or disruptive or how do you figure that in? That creates a really slippery slope, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, one of the good things about the way we vote in the past has been that unlike baseball, baseball is allowed to take in character. Um, you know, a player's criminal behavior, off, anything he did off the field, they can use to consider when they're voting for him. And I, you know, I mean, people in glass houses shouldn't be throwing stones. I mean, we're, no one has the right to keep a guy out of the Hall of Fame because of his behavior off the field. At least that's my feeling. Thankfully, football doesn't do that. But they drew a line with regard to disruptive behavior when it was asked about T.O. Because we're talking not about off the field so much. We're talking about locker room. We're talking about his, uh, you know, the way he communicates with his teammates. You know, T.O. had some issues with his fellow quarterbacks, Jeff Garcia, Donovan McNabb, others. Uh, and, he, you know, he was disruptive. I mean, I saw him at his worst in Philadelphia in 2005 after they went to the Super Bowl. He did not get a new contract, which uh, he felt they had promised him. Uh, this came after, you know, I don't know how many of you are old enough to remember, you know, 2004 season, he breaks his leg and tears ligaments in his ankle in mid-December and is pretty much given up for dead. I mean, nobody expects him to come back for the playoffs. Well, six weeks later, he's playing in the Super Bowl um, and, has get, and, and has nine catches for 122 yards in the Eagles' three-point loss to New England. And, you know, that, among other things, I, you know, he, he believed he was going to get a new contract, didn't get one, kind of imploded after that, as you remember, Andrew. Um, it, it got ugly the next training camp. Um, he was suspended at one point. Uh, so the, there's no dispute that, that he was disruptive at times. But, it, you know, he never... I mean, I talked to Brian Dawkins after Brian was... was uh, after the vote the other uh, two weeks ago. You know, and Brian was disappointed about not getting in. But I asked... He played with with T.O. And I said, how do you feel about T.O. And, and the claim that he shouldn't get in because of his behavior. And Brian said, you know, it probably took them, the Eagles, two years to kind of get back completely on their feet from what happened with T.O. And yet he still felt strongly that T.O. belonged in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Brian Westbrook, the same way Brian played on those teams. Brian felt he belonged in the Hall of Fame. Steve Young, who played with him in San Francisco, felt he belonged in the Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, there was, there, there are a lot of the people that did not vote for him felt he dragged his teams down. 
I didn't see it. I mean, you look at the records of the 49ers when he played for them. Um, you know, they had, I, I believe, five of his eight seasons there. They won at least 12 games. Uh, his first year with the Eagles in 2004 when they went to the Super Bowl, they won 13 games that year. Uh, you know, they, they, which was the most in, in, in the franchise history. So, I, I, then he goes on to Dallas and does the same thing. They make the playoffs two out of three years he's there. He's the team in receiving. So I didn't see them dragging teams down. But other people use that as a convenient excuse to not vote for him. And again, who are these people? If you have teammates saying he's not disruptive, if you have quarterbacks saying he's not disruptive, who's saying he's disruptive? The, the writers of other teams? Pretty much. Uh, I mean, I can't tell you what was said in the room, but from talking to these same people later on, you know, one of the, you know, we relay a lot of information in the room of what coaches and players said about the people. And both last year and this year, I talked to Andy Reid about T.O. And, you know, I mean, Andy has every reason to be bitter uh, about T.O. because of that 2005 season. And he was just effusive in his praise for him and said he absolutely belongs in the Hall of Fame. I relay that in the room, and, you know, I mean, there are play. Some of the people that were in the room told me later, well, Andy Reid told them at the time, you know, that, that he wanted T.O. gone. Well, at the time, he did. But, you know, this is how many years later, 11, 12, 13 years later, when you look at the big picture, you have, a, you know, you have a chance to reflect. And, you know, what you felt then is not what you, you know, you feel now. And I, I but people are going to look at what they want to look at when they're voting. And as I keep saying, you go down the slippery slope, you say that you don't take in off the field, but now you say they do. Yeah. They take in sort of this, like you said, this sort of team disruptor, and again, that's hard to figure out. Other players in the Hall of Fame, I'm sure, were referenced yeah. that had issues with teammates or coaches, correct? And I, I can tell you that and this kind of came as a little bit of a shock, but we, like I said, we had two, two Hall of Famers in the room. Uh, it wasn't unanimous on T.O. with them, uh, which surprised me. One was very strongly against T.O. Uh, you know, I, a, a, a good point was made by another writer later on. Uh, as voters, we're not social scientists. Anybody, I, I, I'm sure not many of you know much about T.O.'s background. He, he, if, because he played in Philadelphia, I did. It was a horrible childhood that he had. Um, just to give you a, a glimpse of what, I mean, he, he came from Alabama, and I mean, when he's 10 or 11, I mean, he falls in love with a girl at the time. He wrote this in his, in his autobiography, and goes to meet her, uh, goes to her house, and her father tells him to get out of there, because he finds out later, finds out from the, the, the girl's father that that's his half-sister. Uh, you know, things like that. And that was just the tip of the iceberg with T.O.'s childhood. I mean, you, you look at things that affect a, a person, and then you're going to keep him out. You know, you, you see how it affects his behavior later on. I mean, with T.O., a lot of that had to do with, later on, 
earning respect, being disrespected, um, and, and, and it had a, a ripple effect on his behavior. And I, you know, as, as the writer who mentions us not being social scientists pointed out, you know, a lot of this has to made him who he is, and, and now we're going to punish him for things that were beyond his control that have shaped his personality. Uh, so that's why you're right. It is a very slippery slope. And he will come up again. He will. Uh, which is it's kind of surprising, Andrew. I mean, both last year and this year, we have reduction votes before we ever get in the room, like during... Uh, two during the year, one in September, another in uh, November. That whittles down the number from 100 plus to 25, down to 15. Two years in a row, he's made it to the final 15, which doesn't surprise me because, I mean, I, like I said, I, I believe he should have been in the Hall of Fame, uh, voted in both years. But he's made it to the final 15, but then has been eliminated in the very first vote from 15 to 10 both years. I mean, he hadn't even made it to, to the final 10. So that, that's been surprising. Uh, my guess is he'll make the final 15 again next year. Next year is going to be interesting only because Randy Moss is eligible next year. So he's going to be probably among those 15 and has some of the same issues that T.O. does. Yet my mind is probably not, I mean, they're, 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 they're on the same level, both, in my opinion, are Hall of Famers, but uh, they're probably going to split the vote even more so because of the, uh, their personality issues. It's, uh, you know, we're going places we don't need to be going. You see this continuing as we go forward, even more kind of a subjective view of people's character? even though that's not in your criteria? Well, I mean, the, 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 the Hall of Fame has determined that his issues are okay to consider because they're separate from off-the-field issues. They're separate from Lawrence Taylor and, and his cocaine habit. They're separate from a guy who has been convicted of robbing a bank. Yeah, I don't know, you know anything. I mean, we can't consider those things, but we can consider the fact that, you know, he and Donovan <laughs> didn't get along. Yeah. Before we take a couple of questions, uh, another Philadelphia angle you mentioned, Brian, Brian Dawkins. How close was that, or if you could say, and what were some issues there why he did not get in this year? Everything was pretty positive about him. Uh, you know, Safeties have been a tough sell in the NFL Hall of Fame. Uh, for the longest time, it's kind of been a position that didn't get a lot of respect because there were guys that they didn't do the things you're seeing safeties do in the league today. Brian changed that. Brian was a guy who could do everything. I mean, he could, uh, you know, I mean, he, he could cover people. He could cover team's number one wide receivers. He might have been the best blitzing safety I've ever, I've ever seen, maybe in, in league history. Uh, he played in, in Jim, uh, for Jim Johnson, who was one of the best defensive coordinators uh, I've been around, and, and Jim knew how to use everything that, that Brian brought to the table. So I tried to point that out to people, to differentiate him from other safeties, including I think what hurt 
Brian this year were two things. One, Kenny Easley was a senior candidate, uh, and he got in. He was a safety, uh, played for uh, uh, played for Seattle in the 80s and 90s. Uh, and I think there might have been some sentiment by people, even though we didn't know at the time when we were voting whether Kenny had gotten in, I think some had the sentiment that, well, we're going we're to address the safety issue by letting Kenny easily in. How many safeties should we let in in one year? The other problem was John Lynch was also a candidate, a finalist. The safety played for Tampa Bay. Um, in my mind, Brian is a much better safety than John Lynch. But John Lynch has been a finalist for four years. Um, I think they kind of split the vote. I think there were... I thought that there was a good chance both might make it in, and I think what happened was they both kind of canceled each other out at the end. Uh, problem is, that's not going to go away. You know, next year, both are going to be there again, and next year you've got... This was a good year for Brian to get in because there was only one slam dunk candidate. That was LaDainian Tomlinson. So there were basically four slots uh, that you could see him getting. Next year, you've got Ray Lewis, who will be eligible, and almost certainly will go into the first year of eligibility. And, you know, you talk about T.O. and, and his on-the-field issues. You know, <laughs> right. Ray Lewis has issues that are off the field. Uh, you know, I mean, a double murder that he was uh, accused of being involved in at the time. Uh, pleaded guilty, I believe, to obstruction of justice. But anyway, that's not something we can consider, but we, we can consider uh, TO's disruption, disruptive uh, problems. So, I mean, Ray's going to be up ne uh, next year. Randy Moss is back in the picture. It's going to be a much more crowded scene, and that's going to make it more difficult for Brian to get in. So, we'll see what happens. You know, before we have any questions, you mentioned the Tagalog discussion, I think you said not necessarily tense. Has there been a, a discussion you remember as actually tense? Like there was, you could cut the tension in the room, it was very uncomfortable about a certain player. There's been a few over the years. Uh, ironically though, Andrew, most, uh, this wasn't the first time Paul was in the room. Before he was a finalist, before they came up with the, uh, two years ago, before they separated contributors into a separate category, he was a finalist uh, along with players. Uh, so his name, I mean, we had similar discussions uh, in previous years. And this was when the concussion issue wasn't actually one of the main things we were talking about. But, and that got, you know, for, for whatever reason, Paul seems to be a lightning rod when it comes to people's feelings about him, both pro and con. I mean, there are people in that room that think we've embarrassed ourselves by not letting Paul in. Uh, no, uh, I'm trying to think of some players, uh, but I don't think anybody's come close to, to the discussions we've had on Tagalog as far as really bringing up the volume. Hmm. And is it always five? Is there an allowance for, for six or, or less than five that they, are selected? It used to be less. Uh, they, the, the Hall of Fame is... is kind of messed with the number. There, I, I believe, if, I, if memory serves, there used to be a situation where you had two, two senior candidates each year, and 
you could only you had to you had to let in a, a maximum. You could let in a maximum number of six. Um, but if both senior candidates got in, that would mean only four modern era candidates. So then they increased it to this, where it's five modern era. But they're they're going to go from year to year on contributors and seniors. Like this year was two contributors, one senior candidate that were up for vote. Next year there'll be two senior candidates and only one contributor. So they'll basically rotate from year to year. We we lobbied to increase the number of modern era candidates because there just are more 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 deserving people that aren't getting into the Hall of Fame because we just don't, you know, it, that, that's kind of why we, we come under such criticism each year for not letting people in. And it's not that, it's, you know, it's not that, that, that people in the room don't feel they belong in. It's that you can only vote for five people. I mean, you've got to reduce it to five, and that's how many we, you know, I, I, I would venture to say that if you took a poll of the 48 voters this year, most of them would say that at least eight or nine of the finalists this year were deserving of being in the Hall of Fame. But when you can only put five in, that leaves a few out that make us look like, well, how could you not vote for that guy? Uh, but that's what happens when you can only let a certain number. And the last question in terms of winning, I mean, listen, you're talking about 11 players on the field at the same time. The best players play half the game. This is not basketball. This is not tennis. That's hard. I mean, when you start establishing criteria for players that are so dependent, you know, the running back on the line, the receiver on the quarterback, that's tough, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and also, I, over the years, I think that the Football Hall of Fame has, has put two, because of, I mean, my sentiment's always been that football's the ultimate team game. And we punish people that didn't win Super Bowls. Right. Uh, you look at the number of quarterbacks in the Hall of Fame. Overwhelmingly, most of them have been Super Bowl winners. Some multiple. And I'm not suggesting that they don't belong in, but we've punished others uh, because they didn't win a Super Bowl. They didn't get to a Super Bowl. You look at uh, some of the great teams over the years, the Pittsburgh Steelers of the 70s. Uh, the, the, the Packers of the 60s, the uh, 49ers of the 80s, those teams have a, a, an inordinate number in there. Mainly, I think, because, I mean, not, I think, I know, because of the Super Bowl rings. You know, I, I, I'm not saying Super Bowl shouldn't count, but when you're talking about a game that involves 22 players on the field, you know, you've got to be fair to guys that, 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 had the misfortune to play for bad teams. Questions? Any thoughts from the group? Yeah, say your name. Uh, hi, my name is Nick. Uh, I'm with one out here. Um, so just, what are the discussions like if you can't talk about off the field? Are you guys just kind of throwing stats at each other, uh, saying, oh, he has a Super Bowl ring? How, how, what do you say when you advocate for a player? Well, most of us have seen most of these guys. Um, so, uh, and most of us, uh, I mean, I, I know when, when I, I was advocating for Brian this year, 
I've talked to about seven or eight former players and coaches um, that both coached him, coached against him, uh, played against him, played with him, tried to paint a picture of who he was and the difference maker that he was. Um, we do a lot of that because, I mean, uh, it helps kind of clarify, I think, how other people feel about a player. Statistics are, are, are part of the argument, but the problem, uh, you, you can't overuse them in football because the importance of, num of some of the numbers changes from era to era. I mean, back in the 70s and, and early 80s, when they weren't throwing the ball around nearly as much, you know, you won't see passing numbers and, and receiving numbers like you see today. So you kind of got to look at those with a grain of salt. Um, you know, the, the, the hope is that with all the time that we have to discuss these guys, that we're thorough enough with, you know, other people bringing in people they've talked to about guys, bringing in their own recollections of these guys, that, that at least we're being, we're being as fair as possible. Uh, you know, I don't know that there's any perfect process. You know, it's been suggested that maybe Hall of Famer, that, that the whole, the whole voter select, the, the whole committee should be Hall of Famers. You know, I, a lot of the Hall of Famers are, 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 haven't seen any of these guys play. I mean, once their careers are over, a lot of them just don't watch football anymore. So that, you know, you gotta, there's, there's, there's no perfect process, I think, to do this. We try to be as fair as possible. You know, I was disappointed in some of the people that got in and didn't get in this year, but I think we were thorough, if nothing else. Go ahead. Um, Jason, I'm one out. You talked a little about with Dawkins, there's a log jam, and it's going to get worse. Obviously, you know, Paul Malo, Ed Reed, they're coming up soon as well. Do you think that really is going to kind of push him behind those guys, or he still has a pretty good shot? I'm hoping it, he still has a pretty good shot. I mean, he, the point I, and I tried to make it this year was that, that Brian is just not, I mean, you, Ed, you look at Ed Reed. Ed Reed was basically a center field safety. He's got more interceptions than, than Brian, uh, more interceptions than most safeties. But he never played up in the box. He never blitzed. He never did, he, you know, you couldn't put Ed Reed out on uh, Odell Beckham. You know, the, the Eagles did that regularly with Brian. I mean, he covered, you know, they, they could do anything with him. They never, they never, when, when teams went to three and four wide receivers, they didn't bring in an extra defensive back because they could just move Brian outside. Uh, so I tried to point that out. I think I, I, think I had a lot of success in, in impressing on people that there was a difference between, between him and, and, and other safeties. Uh, but it's going to get, you know, when, I mean, Ed Reed's up and comes in in two years. Troy in three, I believe. Um, you know, I'm hoping Brian gets in before then. The problem right now is to try and get them to realize he's, the, the, my fellow voters, that he's different than John Lynch. Common sense should, you know, I mean, John Lynch was a cover two safety. Um, which I don't want to get complicated here with anybody, but again, he did not do 90% of the things Brian Dawkins did on a football field. It didn't mean he wasn't good. I mean, he could hit people into, as Andy Reid said, into the third row. 
but he couldn't run. I mean, he, he had nowhere near the speed Brian Dawkins did. You know, but I think there was a lot of sentiment that, well, and this is kind of a, one, of the, one of the flaws of our process. My feeling is you vote each year for the, the people you feel are the best in the room that year. Other people put into the, uh, the you know, a guy's been waiting four years, five years, six years, been a finalist four years. That was the case with John Lynch. Um, so that's a tough hurdle to get over. I, I, I think there's enough support for Brian in the room that he's not going to go away. It might take a few years here, uh, but I think he'll eventually get in. Yeah, I mean, you talk about the waiting, and he's been up so many years again. This all seems to be kind of subjective stuff beyond the, the criteria of what they did on the field. Exactly. I mean, you, you just got to shut all that out. I understand, you know, you look at a guy that's, yeah, I mean, there are players, there, there's a, there's a uh, I, I don't even know the year that you can still be eligible before you basically are, the only way you can get in after that is a senior committee. But there have been times when that's been the plea. A guy's, I remember Claude Humphrey, former Eagle, played on the 1980 Super Bowl team. His last year, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, I resorted to it with him, you know, I mean, it was either, you know, please vote for him now, you know, because after this, the only way he gets in is as a senior, and there's no guarantee that the senior committee's going to pick him. Fortunately, two years later, the senior committee did put him up for a vote, and Claude got in, but, uh, yeah, I, mean, I just don't think it's something that should be considered each year. Cody. Uh, Cody, I'm going to... Uh... I'm curious about, um, you've talked about it a little bit, but the Randy Moss, Terrell Owens thing uh, coming up here next year. Um, obviously, the stats are incredibly comparable, and if you talk about on-field issues and um, certainly Randy Moss had hustle issues and locker room and those types of things, where they're incredibly comparable there, but when you talk about the public perception, um, when you see Terrell Owens, um, you always see the clips of him doing crunches in his driveway, and uh, that's my quarterback. Press conference. Whereas the last couple years, Randy Moss has kind of undergone this image restoration with the 30 for 30, and then what he did with Fox. Now he's on Countdown, and a pretty enjoyable character um, that you see every week. Do you think the committee's able to kind of be in a vacuum and just look at the playing days, or do you think some of this image restoration will sort of soften Randy Moss in a way that it hasn't for Terrell Owens? It's a good question. Uh... And I don't know the answer to that. Uh, you know, you're, you're right. I mean, he's he's done wonders for his image uh, with his with his uh, appear, you know now that he's on TV. While T.O. has kind of become, for lack of a better word, a nuisance with the way he's been acting, uh, bashing the process and that sort of thing. Although others have done that, and Chris Carter did it, and he got we voted for you know voted him in eventually. But, you know, it's, it's similar to why they don't have juries read the newspapers and, uh, and do things uh, once the trial started. I, I honestly, not sure. Uh, I'm not sure how many people feel maybe that, that Randy Moss wasn't as big a disruption as T.O. I, I don't know quite how you could make that case. Uh, it's it's going to be a really interesting discussion next year if both are, you know, both are among the 15 finalists. Uh, so I'm going to be curious how that, 
where he's at. Uh, I, I think by next year, I'm kind of hoping that all the publicity that this issue has gotten in the last two weeks is, is going to impact on people in the room that they will realize they've got to let it go. But my concern was when, when I've talked to people that were in that room and listened to them, there were, I mean, at least with T.O., I mean, they're entrenched in their belief that, that he's too disruptive and does not belong in the Hall of Fame. So, and then you throw in the Randy Moss card, and I just have no idea how it's going to play out. Well, Cody brings up an interesting point, because say you do now get to an end of a career, and maybe you've got something hanging over you, and Randy Moss gets in next year. See, you've got a roadmap now. Maybe you don't get a job with ESPN or Fox, but you're out there, you're doing charity work, you're rehabbing your Hall of Fame voting resume. It really seems like that could be a roadmap going forward. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure with Randy, people after he retired suggested, listen, I mean, because Randy Moss, it was a shock when he got into broadcasting. Uh, he's actually gotten much better at it. Initially, I'm, I, I, I flinched when he first went to walk, work for uh, Fox Sports 1. I didn't think he was very good, but like a lot of people in the business, he got better as he went along. Uh, but I think you're right. I mean, agents, uh, marketing people, they're going to tell these guys that have issues that, hey, you know, go get a broadcasting job, do, you know, go start doing charity work, you know, things that we shouldn't be considering, but that uh, subconsciously or consciously, are being considered. In the back, yeah. Uh, Matt, what the admissions office. Um, with the media landscape being so different than it was 10 to 20 years ago, and when there was just being a, a greater access to information to what athletes do both on and off the field, do you think it's more difficult now for them to make the Hall of Fame than it was five to 10 or 20 years ago? Uh, I didn't catch the first part of that. With that, yeah, I got it, Matt. The uh, sort of the changing um, 24-hour nonstop media coverage. Right. So, Hall of Famers from t- that got in 10 years ago, we didn't know what they did off oh, the field. Right. <laughs> we didn't have the TMZs. Now we do. Again, I mean, that's something we're not supposed to be considering. Um, we're not supposed to be considering off-the-field behavior. For the most part. I think we've done a pretty, you know, the committee over the 16 years, 17 years I've been in the room has done a good job of not considering that. Uh, again, until T.O., I didn't, you know, this, this has kind of become like a separate issue as far as, I mean, T.O. was an was a exemplary citizen off the field. I mean, this guy's never gotten in trouble, uh, never committed a crime, uh, never you know, it's never been, never assaulted anybody. Um, it's just this disruption issue that suddenly, when it was first brought up two years ago, when he first became eligible, I was shocked. I mean, because I thought, you know, the, the guy from San Francisco presented his case. I chimed in, uh, the, you know, what I thought about him. And suddenly there was just this flurry of anti-TO uh, and uh, feelings about his uh, behavior as a disruptive guy. So, uh, you know, it's going to be, like I said, it's going to be interesting now with, with Randy because we're, we're talking about two guys with similar problems, but one that 
as was pointed out, has rehabbed his image, but that really has no bearing on what you know what supposedly is keeping T.O. out of the room, which is or out of the Hall of Fame, which is his disruption on the field. I mean, whether you've rehabbed your off the field image five years later, it shouldn't matter. And I'm hoping it doesn't. And I'm hoping people change their minds eventually. Back to my slippery slope. <laughs> yes, sir. Here. Um, so recently, obviously, the NFL, I'm thinking Adrian Peterson, he got suspended for a year. Do you, I know you're not supposed to think about it, but does the nature of what happens, whether it's being disruptive on the field as kind of maybe a prima donna on the ball versus maybe something worse, does that matter to you? Because in the end, it seems to me, the player's good enough, whatever he does, it doesn't matter. He needs to get in. Yeah, I mean, I'll amplify that. Pick an Adrian Peterson. Not only was he had this issue off the field, but it actually affected him in team because he was suspended or he was put on this commissioner exemplist, which is basically the same thing. So there is a team disruption with the off field. Yeah, but again, the league let him back in, uh, and uh, it's you know I don't. It's not. It wouldn't be something I'd consider. Again, it's, and, and they'll tell. They would tell us. They give us instructions before we start our discussions, kind of going over the ground rules. My guess is when Adrian comes up for, because uh, he'll he'll certainly be a finalist when in his first year of eligibility. I'm almost certain. They'll they'll mention uh, the same thing they mention every year that you're not to to consider off the field behavior. Um, I won't with regard to Adrian. I mean, I, I, understand, I understand the seriousness of his issues, but it's not something that I'm supposed to consider. And uh, yeah, I'm supposed to consider what he did on the field. I, as Andrew pointed out, yes, there was a tri- uh, trickle-down effect as far as the disruption, but not to the degree that I think he should be kept out of the Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, I, I pointed this out in, in a column last week. There are a lot of people in the Hall of Fame that are just... Bad guys. I mean, that we voted in because that's not something we're supposed to consider. There are guys, and it's always a convenient excuse of people that don't get in or people that are their supporters to say, well, they weren't nice enough to the media. Well, that has nothing to do with our consideration. And I, and I don't think, I, I think I can say that about everybody else in the room because of the fact that. We've let in tons of people that, you know, that, that didn't, weren't the, the, the most cooperative people to deal with on a daily basis. So. Cody. Uh, not to put you too hard on the spot, but what about PEDs? Um, you know, we have, off the top of my head, I can't think of a guy currently that's been popped four games that has a Hall of Fame resume, but at some point we're going to have one. Do you think that will have an impact? I don't think so. Uh, it's a different sport than baseball. Baseball is so statistically oriented um, that I, I understand why a lot of the voters feel str- strongly. Although I, my pro- I'm not a baseball voter, but you know they're they're keeping people out that never were never tested positive. It's just that it's believed that they use them, and that's a, another slippery slope. Yeah. With regard to football, PEDs. Even though people are suspended for them, uh, the sentiment 
over the years, and I mean, you go back to, I mean, I'm old enough to, I, I, I covered the game in the, in the early 80s, and you talk to people like Brian Baldinger, who remembers uh, he, when he played in the 80s for the Cowboys, he goes to training camp and go into his dorm room, and the trainer would come in and throw steroid uh, tablets down on the bed and basically said, go have at it, you know. Uh, so I don't think it's considered, even though players are using them in that sport and still are, it's not as much of a cheating issue with people. I mean, you don't see the, you don't see the uproar uh, over, uh, I mean, you see it locally because of, because of what happened with Lane Johnson. Uh, but it's, it's just not, you know, I'm, I'm trying to the, the player, the linebacker that used to play for San Diego, uh, Sean Merriman was suspended a while back for uh, using PEDs. He's going to come up in a couple of years. My guess is that it won't even, it'll be mentioned in the room, uh, but it's, it's not something that'll keep him out. It'll, it'll be, you know, if he's kept out, it, it will be because people don't feel he's a Hall of Fame player. You think Michael Vick's a future Hall of Fame candidate? No, no, no. Uh, he Michael was a for too long was a one dimensional player uh, I never felt he fully it wasn't until he got to Philadelphia that he, he really buckled down uh, after the prison stint and, and, and worked hard enough to learn how to be a quarterback I don't think he was ever good enough at, as a passer to be considered for the Hall of Fame um Another guy, Donovan McNabb, when he was traded in 2009 uh, by the Eagles, I felt he was at the point then where he needed about two or three really good, uh, two or three more really good years, uh, either in Washington or wherever he uh, ended up, to be able to get into the Hall of Fame. And that, and that didn't happen with him. I mean, he went to Washington and didn't do much, got traded uh, or pl played with Minnesota where he finished his career and was not very effective there either. So I don't think, my guess is Donovan never really will be uh, even in the room that he'll ever make the final 15. Anyone else? Okay, we'll let you go and uh, let's give a warm appreciation for Paul Donovich. It's really interesting stuff. Thanks for Thanks for listening to the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also get additional insider insight by listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and College Draft Podcast, all at rostucker.com or wherever podcasts are found.